Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, good afternoon and welcome to today's edition of Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor, taking your calls and your questions, 303-690-3000, And we have a dedicated texting line, 720 Three three six zero eight nine seven seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. Taking your calls and your questions. Uh, the show's just not the same without you. Uh, it's really not a show without you. So I want to invite you, whether you're listening on Radio by Grace or Truth FM or Hope FM, and of course the show originates here in the Grace FM studios in Colorado. Uh, give me a call, 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000, or text me. Uh, let me open up my text line here to make sure I won't miss it, um, 720-336-0897. Here's a text that came in uh, that says, please pray for me to find a job that God will lead me to. Thank you so much. So Father, I pray for an open door. Uh, if there was ever a time to look for work, it's now. Such a um, market that is looking for quality, solid employees. So I pray, Lord, that you would open doors uh, for this person that's looking for work, uh, that is in need of a job to provide for the needs of their family. And I pray you would provide it your way, your timing, according to your will, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000. Give me a call. Text me, 720-336-0897. We are back in the Word of God tonight in our midweek Bible study. Uh, this is good for everyone listening, doesn't matter what city you're in, because you can always connect with us live. Download the free app from our church here, just put my name in the search bar, Ed Taylor, T-A-Y-L-O-R, our app should pop up. Download it, turn on notifications, and you can join in services here from afar, or of course here in Colorado, if you're anywhere near the Denver metro area, uh, we want you to come to our church. Uh, we want you to be a part of the fellowship family here uh, as we teach the Bible verse by verse book by book, uh, taking all that God has for us and encouraging each other in the Lord. And and on midweek, our midweek service is special because we get to sing together, we get to pray together, we have communion available every service, and we also get to um, fellowship together. The Resurrection Coffee House is open before and after service, uh, the best of the best uh, coffee and cold drinks uh, available. 
And of course, our little bookstore is open with very curated, chosen specific resources. I should say specifically chosen resources that you can trust uh, and just hang out and meet new people, um, grow in the things of the Lord together. Uh, it's it's uh, Wednesdays are great, especially for a large growing church where you're looking for those smaller groups. Uh, this is it. Uh, this is the small group. Come to church and and meet somebody, minister to them, uh, be strengthened in the Lord, grow in God's grace together. Anyway, give me a call, 303-690-3000. And by the way, services start 7 p.m. Mountain Time, 7 p.m. Mountain Time, and we're studying on Wednesdays the book of Jude, the book of Jude. All right, let's go right to the phone lines here in Aurora, Colorado. Renata, welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor Ed, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm doing good. I'm I'm asking prayer for my boyfriend. He's been having some issues with his job, trying okay. to get his clearance back, and it's been ongoing since July. So we're just believing God for a, a good praise report. Okay, Father, I pray for Renata's um, boyfriend and the situation that's going on at at work. God, it, it's a very troubling, unsettling thing to deal with conflict and difficulty at work. And so I pray for your provision and help to smooth things out, uh, to give clarity on on those things that need clarity, that you would shine light in dark places. And and uh, and I agree by faith, Lord. We trust that the outcome will be the outcome that that pleases you, and and also grows uh, this man in his faith, Lord, trusting you, clinging to you. Um, desperate for you. And so we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000 is the number. 303-690-3000 is the number. Taking your calls and your questions. Um, You know, I was uh, talking to um, a brother at lunch today. Uh, he has recently been told by the doctors that there's really not much more they can do uh, for his cancer. And so we had a, a great conversation. He's very encouraged. The Lord strengthened him and his wife. And, and he talked about crowns, the heavenly crowns. So we were talking about that. And, and he really has from a, a new believer standpoint, taking that to heart. Now I've been walking with the Lord for many years, um, but he took it to heart where maybe the motives in the beginning wasn't weren't all that pure. I want all everything the Lord has for me. I want all the rewards. But over the over time, God has shown him that it is a worthy motivation uh, to serve the Lord in anticipation of reward, because ultimately the rewards we receive are going to be cast all of our crowns are going to be cast down before him anyway, before the Lord. And and so there are at least five different crowns that are mentioned in the scriptures. And I wanted just to share that with you. Perhaps it'll be a motivating factor for you uh, that you will uh, learn and grow and develop a, a, a desire to please the Lord. And yeah, there's crowns and rewards involved, but ultimately anything the Lord allows us to have, we, they belongs to him anyway. So first of all, in Revelation chapter 2, there is the crown of life, the crown of life. This crown is for all believers, 
but especially dear to those who endure suffering, who bravely confront persecution, even to the point of death, um, the crown of life, Revelation chapter 2. Another crown is in 1 Peter chapter 5. It's called the crown of glory, the crown of glory. It's an interesting word because uh, it refers to the very nature of God in his actions. It, it has everything to do with splendor and glory and brightness. And remember Stephen that was stoned to death, he looked into the heavens and what did he see but the glory of God. Uh, it also speaks of praising and honoring God, giving him alone the honor he is due. Uh, and so when the chief shepherd appears, you'll receive the crown of glory. Again, related to suffering. And next, another crown is in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Finally, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. Uh, this crown is inherited through the righteousness of Christ, which is what gives us a right to it. And without, it, we, without a relationship with Jesus, you're not going to get any of these crowns, but especially the crown of righteousness. And then another crown is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 19. It's the crown of rejoicing. For what is our hope, our joy, our crown of rejoicing? Is it not you even in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ that is coming? And Paul says to the Philippians, he says, Rejoice always in the Lord. The bounty bless, the, for the bountiful blessings our gracious God has showered upon us. And so as Christians, we have more in this life to rejoice about than anyone else. And Luke tells us there's even rejoicing in heaven right now. And the crown of rejoicing will be a reward to us as God wipes away every tear, no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying. Another crown is the imperishable crown. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24, do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may have obtained it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate and disciplined in all things, and they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. And all things on earth are subject to decay and will perish, they will rust, uh, thieves break in and steal. Jesus says, don't store up for yourself treasures on earth, but that imperishable treasure that goes before us in, uh, into eternity. And, and so it's very encouraging um, to be reminded of the different crowns that are available to us in the Lord. Uh, and it was, it was a really neat conversation uh, to, to talk about the, the joy of knowing that there will be rewards. Uh, there will be rewards. Uh, isn't that cool? Uh, there will be rewards. May the Lord encourages us, encourage us as we look to him for all things. 303 uh, Let's go back to the phone lines. I see the, the text coming in about Roman Catholicism. Uh, let's, I'll handle that as soon as I get off the phone here. Cheryl is calling from Grand Junction. Cheryl, welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor Ed. Hi. You're on the air. Oh, <laughs> huh. um, I have a prayer request for my son, Jeremy. Okay. Um, I just, he needs prayer. He needs uplifting. He's in a tough situation, and um, he just needs us to pray for him and that the Lord would really show his love to him 
and um, comfort him and give him wisdom in what his life is going to hold now and um, and to for the Lord to give him a good future. Okay. And just him to know that people are praying for him and that he is loved very well, much. Okay, well, Jeremy, if you're listening right now, just know that uh, the Lord is with you, uh, even in this super challenging thing, and he's wanting your full attention. Like, you're, you're in this place where you're immovable, uh, a lot of freedoms have been removed, and the Lord wants your full attention. And he's not looking for false uh, commitments, he's not looking for desperation in the sense of, I'll do anything for you, God, if you get me out of this. But what he is, he look, what he is looking for is your simple love and your simple response and, and just being tired of the predicaments you find yourself in. Um, Jeremy, I, I found myself in a very similar place so many years ago where my decision landed me in and out of jail. It landed me in a lot of condemnation, a lot of broken relationships, and, and it was hard to assess my life and just think, man, here I am at this age, and look what I've done in my life. But it was, at, it was at the end, you know, it was at the end point where my wife was ready to leave me and take my son away from me, uh, which she had every right to do. She was making wise decisions to separate herself from me. But God intervened, and I want you to be open to the intervention of God. I want you to listen to your mother's voice. I bet you if you listen to her voice and you're paying attention to her, she doesn't sound normal. She doesn't sound like she normally does. Why? Because she's aching in pain over her boy, and she's tired of what she watches you do to yourself, knowing that there's something deep within that God wants to draw out. He wants you to lay aside the sin and lay aside the, the influences and be delivered from the addictions that are holding you captive and, and the bondages. And so I pray, God, for Jeremy right now. I pray, Father, that you would shower him with a sense of your presence, but also a sense of the seriousness of how important his life is to you, to his mom, to the people that love him, to our society, just to think of what the future might hold, thinking, well, God, of, of your heart toward the nation of Israel, uh, where you said that you know the thoughts you thought toward them, that they're good, not evil, to give a future and a hope. And if that's true for the children of Israel, how much more for those that are in Christ? And so for Jeremy's salvation, God, I pray that he would surrender to you once and for all. Or if he has God, then he's been on a prodigal um, choice of lifestyle that he would finally come to the end of himself and surrender his life to you that it's never too late. God is the God of the second chance, and it's never too late, Father, uh, for anyone listening to return to you. And so even as Jeremy's life is being um, broadcast on the radio right now around the country, even around the world, it might be a, a, an encouragement and a shaking and stirring so that many will return to you in these last days. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, Cheryl, keep us up to date, okay? Yeah, okay. I will. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. Uh, it's so true, you know. I, I mean it. I'm not, I'm not messing around. Like, I was on the edge of absolute disaster. There's just no way around it. Um, and so if, if, there's, if you're looking for at least one example, 
I mean, I know many more. Our church is filled with them. Um, you know, you don't have to, even listening to me, I just think, I feel like the Lord would have me to share with you. You don't have to choose this path of having a testimony or making really bad decisions. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. The pain, the suffering, the consequence, uh, you, you can you can live a life that pleases God right now, right now. Um, the Lord is ready to do a work. He's ready to work on your behalf and turn to him, turn to him. 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000, taking your calls and your questions, uh, just knowing the Lord is with us on the radio, you know, and it's it's a privilege to be on so many stations of, of bringing this broadcast, Calvary Live, if you just joined us, that's what you're listening to. Uh, Calvary Live originates in Colorado on the Grace FM radio network, but it's broadcast on Gr- Radio by Grace network, Truth FM network, Hope FM network, and, and we're around in uh, privilege to be on so many of these stations serving you uh, and and interacting with you, right? It's not just us talking. We get to talk together, uh, which is an honor. Um, 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000. Let's go out to Pennsylvania now. Uh, we have Jordan on the line. Welcome to the program. Fred, how are you today? Good. How are you? I'm I'm doing well. I'm uh, driving home uh, between New Jersey and Philly and trying not to die in old traffic. <laughs> I'm having a good day. Otherwise, okay, great. Uh, uh, I... Yeah, my question um, today is uh, regarding um, salvation and uh, infants who are you know children who either don't understand or weren't able to make a decision. Um, you know, I, I don't think the Bible specifically speaks about it, or at least I haven't found anything. Um, so I was just wondering, uh, you know, as a pastor, maybe what you've read about it or uh, researched into it, and maybe you can enlighten me or point me to some scripture I can look at. Yeah, you know, I think that the this is a broad question that, that really is asked a lot. Like, what what, what happens with with babies or children that lack understanding, uh, what happens even perhaps with children that have been aborted in the womb? Um, will they be saved? Uh, what will happen to them? Um, you know, the the reality of salvation is that we have all sinned, including babies. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and we all we know that. Because of sin, the Bible says that we the wages of sin is death. And then it says the Bible does uh, the while they ate the wages of sin is death, the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. You know, in Psalm 51 5 says, Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. And so even David, the Holy Spirit inspired David to record for us the reality of sin at a very young age. But because of that, it has caused many people to ask the exact same question that you're asking. Uh, And um, the good news is, is that while there is no one particular scripture that can answer this question, there are principles 
that we can look to and put the pieces together uh, without violating any part of the scriptures. Um, and one of the best um, one of the best places that gives us insight to the future of a baby that has died is actually in Second Samuel. You're probably familiar with it. In Second Samuel chapter twelve, we have that time where David's son, who uh, was the product of the uh, adulterous relationship that he had with Bathsheba, um, his son dies. And in recording after the death of, of his son, David, it says, arose from the ground, washed and anointed himself, and he changed his clothes and he went into the house of the Lord and he worshiped. And then he went to his own house, and when he requested, they set food before him, and he ate. And his servant said to him, What is this you have done? You fasted and wept for the child while he was alive, but when the child died, you arose and ate food. And he said, While the child was alive, I fasted and wept. For I said, Who can tell whether the Lord will be gracious to me that the child may live? But now he is dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, he shall not return to me. And so this gives a very strong indication that this child who died before uh, his ability to understand the gospel, understand even the old covenant, you know, understand any of that, even um, living that out, the expectation was uh, that David would join his son in eternity, wherever David would go, that's where his son would be, and vice versa, wherever his son would be, David would go. And we know that David died as a believer in Christ. We know that uh, the blood of of the Lamb covered uh, his sin until the coming of Messiah. Uh, and and so the the good news is is that there is a strong possibility that Jesus um, his blood is applied to those children, not only children, but those who don't have a cognitive understanding, those that were born with broken brains, those that might uh, have a disease that has uh, hindered their ability to uh, communicate, hindered their ability to understand fully, hindered their ability to mature. Um, I, I don't know specifically the types of diseases that do that. But like, for example, uh, when you have someone who's 35, but they say they have the mind of a five-year-old, um, that oh. kind of, including all of them, I believe that the blood of Jesus Christ, which is the only way a person can be saved, is equally applied to those who have um, who have been born with or along the way um, perhaps were, was in a car accident or something and, and took their cognitive ability away, um, we, we know that God is able. And then that example of David's son, um, that's a pretty powerful example. Uh, it's inspired by Scripture. It's the expectation of David. It's never uh, corrected. It's never explained away. Um, I believe that we will, we will see children prior to the age. A lot of times they call it the age of accountability, you know, for a Jewish family, that age was 13. In the New Covenant, they don't really, we don't really have an age, but it's just the age of understanding. That's all it really is. That's why when we're baptizing kids, I mean, we baptize kids as young as five, because at five, they can understand. 
Um, but some other kids couldn't understand till they're seven. And so I think God is able in his, just, in, in his fairness and justice to sort that out for us, uh, and we could trust him. And whatever the answer is, you know, some other people have a different view of this. Uh, all I know is this, when we get to heaven and we stand before God and we know what he knows, we will agree with every decision God made. I don't, I don't have anybody specifically in my life that's dealing with this, but, uh, you know, I've, I've raised the question internally in my own mind, you know, oh, you what, bet. what about this? Because I, uh, I definitely know about what David said, you know, I, uh, I was born in sin, and the Bible does say that, so I've been curious about it. Well, thanks for your call, brother. Thanks. All right, God bye-bye. All right, 303-690-3000. Here is an interesting uh, text question that came in. Uh, Let me read it to you. Hey, Pastor Ed, my brother says uh, that he is not a sinner and Jesus doesn't need to be your Savior. He believes that he will become more Christ-like throughout his life through the process of enlightenment, and through that process he'll be guaranteed a place in heaven. Have you heard of this, and are you familiar with this? because this is not biblical. I'm not sure how to respond to him. He's very stubborn with his beliefs. Uh, you know, this is, sounds like it's a form of uh, New Age theology, pantheism, um, the idea that everything is God, everyone is God, and the more knowledge you get, you too are God. Uh, I do think in he's following through with what the Bible says in Romans chapter 1, that he's made a God in his own image. Uh, and obviously, you're right, it's not biblical, um, you know, very simple uh, truth, um, very simple. Uh, Peter made it abundantly simple in chapter 4 of Acts, verse 12. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. There's sal- there's, salvation is not available anywhere else, even in your brother's philosophical man-made religion that he's made up. The salvation is avail- isn't available there. Uh, and truth be told, I don't know how he measures enlightenment. What is the measurement? What exactly are you learning more of? What exactly is be- what, what exactly in his life is dark that's being enlightened? What is being changed? Um, certainly his rebellious, stubborn, um, relentless holding to his own theology, isn't is hasn't moved so it sounds like a, a real new agey type of thing um, sounds really nice uh, but it's it's really the worship of knowledge worship of self uh, and a rejection you know he and and that's something he needs to say if if he's, uh, if he says that he's not a sinner I mean that that's outright falsehood um, just saying he's not a sinner makes him a sinner um, by its basic definition. Uh, and that Jesus doesn't need to be your savior. Well, that's an interesting thing because if Jesus doesn't need to be your savior, who does? And if you know, if he says, "Well, we don't need a savior," then what's the purpose of enlightenment? And so you can start talking to him about some of the the inconsistencies of his own belief system because that's all that's what they are. 
Um, they're they're very inconsistent. You know how how the Bible often gets it uh, knocked because oh you know there's so many contradictions, so many no 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 you, there are way more contradictions, real ones and way more inconsistencies, real ones in people's man-made religion than ever in real, true biblical Christianity. So thanks for texting that in. Um, there was a, a, a text, I've been tempted to go to the Catholic Church, would appreciate a few reasons not to do so. Roman Catholicism is, wow, you hear the music. I miscalculated the time. So you hear the music. I'm going to answer this question first thing, top of the hour, and then we'll get back to the phone lines. This is Calvary Live. Uh, Welcome everyone listening somewhere other than Colorado. Bless you. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, welcome back, everyone, to this edition, second half of Calvary Live. Uh, Right before the break here on Grace FM, uh, all the stations get their own uh, break to fill. But here, we just heard a spot to invite you to give financially uh, to Grace FM. I just want to affirm that and reaffirm it. Uh, we do ask and solicit and encourage you to prayerfully support local Christian radio. Uh, of course, what we're asking is that you support the station that which you hear this on. Uh, I'm here in the Grace FM studios ministering to Grace FM listeners, and I want you, if you're blessed by Grace FM, would you sign up? Uh, on our app or on our website, gracefm.com, for a regular recurring gift. Every amount counts, large or small. As a matter of fact, man, when you start putting together all the giving of the the listeners, little by little, I mean, if every listener gave, man, we'd never have to ask again. Um, but no matter where you're listening, on Grace FM, uh, support Grace FM. Hope FM, support Hope FM. Radio by Grace, support Radio by Grace. Uh, but we just heard a spot here on Grace FM that, you know, it's a step of faith. Uh, it may be different for you to give, um, but it keeps, there's a lot of hard costs with radio, uh, tower rent, electricity, software, licenses, so we can play different music and such. On and on the list goes staffing, computers. I mean, I'm sitting in the studio right now. We still have to fix our studio. Uh, we got a makeshift um Kevin was able to put something together to make it work, but it can't stay this way. Uh, and you know, remodeling the studio, putting some soundproofing up, all of that. God's so good that we could use it the way it is, but there's so many upgrades. And across the board, stations, they all have similar bills. And we're not a big corporation like some of the radio stations out there. Most radio stations were non-commercial, um, run by a church. That's that. It's a church station. So if this station's blessed you, whatever you're listening to this show on, support local Christian radio. Uh, I'm grateful for all the listeners on Grace FM that do support. Thank you. Uh, I know in many ways it is a sacrifice to some degree. Uh, So thank you. Thank you. Let, Let the rewards of the Lord be upon you as you are used to reach many, and we collaborate together in the ministry. Uh, so let's go back to, well, let me ask, let me, I'll get to the phone lines in a minute so you guys don't hang up. 
But there was a text question that I very briefly started uh, right before the break, and that was, I've been tempted to go to the Catholic Church, would appreciate a few reasons not to, or uh, to not do so. Thank you very much. Well, the greatest reason I believe that uh, not visiting a Roman Catholic Church is very important is that they don't teach the real gospel. And I know that some of you that might have a Roman Catholic background might be offended by that, and it's not intended to be offensive, but it is the truth. Roman Catholicism is a man-made religion that is based upon a person's works. Whenever you hear the sacraments, that is the sacramental system of religion. That's why you might hear Roman Catholicism uh, referred to as, you know, they have you from cradle to grave, because you have to go through each of the uh, sacraments in order to be saved. And even then, they can't guarantee in their man-made religion whether you're going to make it or not. Uh, and the main reason is, is they've taken the simplicity of the gospel and replaced it with religious nonsense. Um, and, you know, it's not to be taken personally, like as if it's your fault, uh, you didn't do this. Uh, however, a careful reading of the Bible would show you that you're, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8, 9, and 10, you're saved by grace through faith. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. The, the blood of Jesus Christ was shed once. It's not shed each and every time the Mass is celebrated. The communion elements do not, they do not change substances into the body and blood. They are symbols of a symbol that Jesus himself used of his own body that was yet to be crucified. I mean, and so don't be offended, although perhaps offense might cause you to study more. Search it out. Search it out. Let me recommend a book that very carefully lays out wonderful uh, par you know, doctrinal differences for you to examine if you are a Roman Catholic or you're considering um, what Roman, Catholic Roman Catholicism teaches. Um, it, it, there is a greater relationship with Jesus Christ that's available to you. And here's the thing, many people are genuine, sincere in Roman Catholicism, but genuineness and sincerity will not get you to heaven. There's a lot of genuine, sincere unbelievers out there, and they don't get you to heaven. That's why I took this call and just knowing, I know a lot of Roman Catholics listen, I know, and, and I want you to consider what you believe. I want you to reconsider. And here's the book, you ready? Buy it for yourself. Buy it for a friend. It's called Reasoning from the Scriptures with Catholics. Reasoning from the Scriptures with Catholics by Ron Rhodes, R-H-O-D-E-S. He does a tremendously fair and balanced biblical approach to the question of the efficacy of the Roman Catholic Church. Um, you know, I know you respond, well, we use the same Bible. That's true. And we believe in the same Jesus. That's true. Uh, and that's that's about it. Uh, there's not much to, there's not much more to it. Um, everything else, you know, like to think that the Rome that the just to think that uh, that there's some kind of authority given to a man known as the Pope that can actually change and has changed doctrine and teaching over the years, and just said things that are contrary to the Bible, or in 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 Roman Roman Catholicism history. Um, there have been seasons where multiple popes, multiple people claim to be pope uh, at the same time. And, uh, you know, it's just, just 
take this uh, call and answer as an opportunity to study, to show yourself approved, the worker that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And I know just that little resource, reasoning from the scriptures with Catholics will bless you, help you, challenge you, and clarify for you. All right, before we go back to the phone lines, uh, we had a sister, Grace, from Denver, just wanted to call and remind us that Costco is desperately looking for employees, and they pay well. I was just in in and out the other day here in Colorado, over by the Park Meadows Mall. They're paying up to 20 bucks an hour. Uh, they start at 17, but they're paying up to... I mean, it's hard work, but it's good work. Um, it's legitimate work. And when I worked at McDonald's, I think they paid me 315 or something. So times have changed. Uh, but this is a time uh, where opportunity to work is in abundance. And I know the Lord will lead. All right, let's go um, to Baltimore. Uh, George, welcome to the program. Hey, George, you're on the air. All right, we lost George. I'm sorry, Baltimore. On to Maryland, Connor, welcome to the program. Uh, good evening, Pastor. How are you? I'm doing well, Connor. What's up? Um, well, I would, well, something across my mind about an instance where I think it, think it was an instance of God speaking to me. I haven't really brought this up with other pe- people. I saw, you know, since with the lines being open, I thought maybe I'd bounce this off someone like your, someone like yourself and um, see what you would make of it. I'll try my best. Okay. All right. Um, well, about a, well, about I'd say a month or two ago, uh, I was. I was watching this uh, mini series on uh, mental on mental health, and the first episode of this series, it is at least from how I interpreted it, it was it seemed to have a a good amount of anti-Christian sentiment. It basically basically like from how the, it, things were presented, it almost gave off, at least in my opinion, it gave off the impression that that basically Catholic Christian faith is responsible for all the negative stigma that comes for comes from that comes with uh mental mental health issues yeah okay well about a few days about a, about a i'd say maybe a week or two after seeing this a thought occurred to me what if viewing the having viewed this was sort of a way of god speaking speaking to me, by which I mean him having me see this was kind of his way of saying, like, this is, this is what, this is what some of these people out there think about, think about you and the rest of my, you and the rest of my people and people. And not so much, I wouldn't, I wouldn't consider it more like a a call to arms or something, but more like just something you should be, more like something you should be aware of. I think that's a great conclusion from watching something like that. I, I, I believe that what you watched, what we read, uh, the culture that we're in, you know, the Bible says that uh, the, the, the world is under the sway of the wicked one, and the way of the world or the course of this life, uh, apart from Christ, is very anti-Christ. And, you know, a word popped into my mind as you were speaking. Uh, it's translated in the English, uh, revile, uh, and, it, and it, meets, it means to threaten or to insult. 
It means to misuse, to accuse falsely. And I believe that you were given insight of what it is when not only do people scoff and mock, but they turn that into reviling. They make it personal. And they say, oh, you're dumb. Look at what you believe. Uh, you know, you have caused all the problems uh, in this world. We were just talking about this in our staff meeting today because in our time of prayer, we're just talking about the way of the world and why the church is really the hope of our city. Uh, believers are the hope of our city to serve the poor, to serve the hurting. Uh, one of the sisters prayed in our time today, you know, Lord, let, let us remember that the church is a hospital and let's not, um, you know, turn away people that are struggling. It was a great, sweet prayer. And she was spot on uh, because a lot of times in our staff meeting, we're talking about difficult people, we're praying about difficult people, and um, and that's just our church, just filled with difficult people, um, challenging situations. Sin can so disrupt. I remember uh, I bring my own difficulties, um, but they're not the same as when I first got saved. When I first got saved, man, I was a mess. I, I was a confused, rotten mess, even as a believer, uh, that God was going to clean me up little by little as he's still doing that onward work in me. And uh, and and one of the things that, uh, you know, with reviling and um, the, the way that we live in this world, we talked about, maybe you read this recently, but up in New York, they opened up this dope house where now legally you, they're making a, they're making a, 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 a place where you could come in and shoot up heroin. And wouldn't you know it, that's their solution to the drug problem. Uh, their solution to the drug problem, let's give them drugs, let's give them needles, let's give them a place to do it. Uh, and, and what happened on day one? Eight overdoses. Eight overdoses in their house, which they probably won't be held liable for. And, and then one of the sisters shared, yeah, and they turned that around and said, oh, look at eight lives we saved. So we open up a dope house, we make um, needles available, uh, we put an environment, we, we let them overdose, and somehow they turn it around uh, and completely twist it in saying, well, look at us, look what we've done, we saved eight lives. And, you know, our world is just messed up. And apart from Christ, we don't think straight. And I do believe your conclusion is accurate. And I think what you experienced uh, was the reviling nature of our culture against Christianity and Christians. To give an example of this uh, sentiment, like not obviously there was they, they gave like a his, they gave a history of how like some how mental health issues were treated, and a lot and a lot of those examples were like associated with practitioners of Christianity or Catholicism. But probably one thing that really stuck out was, like, as you can probably imagine, the de it featured about, like, about four people with some kind of mental mental health issue. Uh, one had OCD. I believe, like, one had some really severe OCD, for example. And pretty much all of them, early on in their talk talks, they said, well, they basically said, I came from a Christian household. Now... Their association with Christianity, it was never really brought up at any other point for the, for the rest of their interviews or any of their segments. Like, it was never really asked, like, what's their, what, like, do they still have, do they still have faith? It's a, it's like, it's almost like it, you could edit it, you know, correct. To put it more simply, you could, you could 
edit it out, and it really and it probably you could edit that part out, and it probably wouldn't change anything. Right. Well, let's also clarify. Let's make let's give a balance here because you're right. There's editing. There's you know even late, even recently in uh, Katie Couric's autobiography, she shares how she edited out, or maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was just in the news, but she edited out statements of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Um, that Ruth Bader Ginsburg had some really strong conservative views, but she co- edited them out. Uh, for whatever her narrative was, right? We live in a world of narratives and stories, and whoever has the media gets to control that. But I, I think, I think we also have to balance it, or at least offer to it that we as Christians have failed. We've made mistakes. Uh, we um, try to help someone, and we help someone incorrectly. Um, we, we in our behavior are not perfect, you know. And I say that to anyone listening in that, like, like. Christians make uh, mistakes, unbelievers make mistakes, and sometimes we we need to acknowledge that mistakes can have long-lasting consequences. Um, and I know that in my own life as an unbelieving dad, I was making um, significant mistakes with my son, and then I was born again, and I kept making mistakes, but they were different ones. God was changing me and molding me and making me a better father and a better husband and a better man and a better son, on and on that list goes. But, you know, we can't, I, I never want to sit here on the other end of this microphone and give some kind of impression that, hey, man, Christians are the only ones on the planet that get it right. We're not. Uh, as a matter of fact, we get it wrong many times, and many people misuse the Bible, and they abuse the Bible, and they abuse authority, and 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 so the the reality of if we ever take the position in the culture, it goes, oh, you know, come to the church because we never blow it, like that's just not true, and it people won't people don't like liars. It doesn't matter, believer, they don't like hypocrisy. They like authenticity. Um, I know I do. I like honesty, and if we're going to be honest. There is some truth to that, you know. We could we could have hurt other people, and we could have made mistakes with other people, and um, but we're all, you know, ultimately, when it comes to mental health, mental mental health issues are real. Uh, they're with technology the way it is, we're hearing more and more about them. But the truth is, we have all been born with a broken brain, and we should live we should live in such a way where we honor the value of someone created in the image of God. And, it, and make room for the damage that sin has done to their mo- to their mind, to their thinking, uh, and on and on, and, and pray that God would use us in their lives because, man, for every, for every testimony that was on that television, you can come to church here, I'll give you, I'll have people line up to give an alternate testimony of the, the life-cleansing, mind-cleansing, changing power of the blood of Jesus Christ. I appreciate your uh, thought. God bless you, brother. Bye bye. Bye bye. And and first in line would be Frank, and then it'd be Kevin, and then it'd be me. We'd fight for first in line of the redemptive, life changing power of Jesus Christ. And whether we call it mental health, I mean, we unfortunately mental health has a stigma among Christians, like like we can't be mentally ill. But if somebody walked into church tonight and we had two people, the only two people showed up to service besides me, and I'm leading worship and I'm going to teach. I don't know how to lead worship, but that's why only two people would be coming. No, um, we have Josiah coming in. 
uh, for a worship, uh, and and just two people. I'm exaggerating, but for a point. So two people come in. One person comes in and says, "I I have mental illness and I'm struggling X Y Z, and I need prayer." And the other person says, "I have a broken arm. See, would you pray for the pain of my broken arm?" The tendency would be to validate the pain of the broken arm, but not completely agree with the pain of the broken brain. And whether we do that directly or indirectly, whether we minimize or don't minimize, uh, and whether we minimize it or not, like the reality is, is broken bodies, broken bones, broken brains, like we should treat a broken brain like we treat a broken arm and validate the pain pray, get help, wash with the water of scriptures. Sometimes there's people that are trained in trauma, trained in PTSD, um, trained in how to help with just not, not, not humanistic psychology as solutions, but the study of hu- human behavior just to help get somebody back on track. And it's too bad mental health has a stigma to it. It shouldn't. It's real. Mental health issues are real, and even if you're listening in today and you have gone from person to person that invalidates it, uh, I want to I affirm that for you and recognize. You remember, um, you remember, I just want to give you an example. Let me see if I can remember it, and I'll get back to the phone lines. I got a few minutes, but I just want to finish this thought because it's so important. I feel like, I feel like the Lord has somebody listening right now that really needs to hear this. I believe it, what we would call that uh, biblically is a prophetic word. Like God has a prophetic word for you right now that you should be, stop what you're doing and pay attention to this because God's speaking to you using his word and my voice. And I'm not not like it's new scripture or anything like that, um, but the the reality of, of what is, um, what's being shared. And you remember, there was, there was the guy that was relegated, and I'm trying to find it right now. He was relegated to the tombs. Remember that? And he was just struggling. He was so out of his mind that they put him into the tombs, and they, they kind of locked him up, uh, and he wasn't able uh, to interact um, with others because he was, um, you know, they— they were just out of their mind. And it was, it, in that case, uh, there was, in one instance, in, um, uh, where is this, Matthew 8, um, there were a couple of two demon-possessed men, so it was demonic in nature, coming out of the tombs, uh, exceedingly fierce, so that no one could pass. And then there was that brother that that uh, that was wrestling with the reality, even though it was demonically impressed, not everything is demonic, uh, but sometimes there is spiritual warfare in the mind and against the mind. Um, and, you know, the in Luke 8, 27, uh, there was a certain man from the city who had demons for a long time. He wore no clothes, nor did he live in a house, but in the tombs. Um, and Jesus met him and brought him to his right mind. Uh, and I like that to his right mind. God wants to bring you to your right mind too. It doesn't matter what the origin is. Um, if you're a believer, the demons can't mess with you. Um, but then it says, um, you know, this guy that had the legion was sitting and clothed in his right mind. That's the work of the Lord. Sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed in his right mind. 
right mind. God has that for you and available to you. All right, let's get back to the phone lines here on line three. It's Chris from Florida. Chris, we are running out of time, so why don't you do your most important question first? Okay, um, so essentially it's about Jesus Christ talking to, I want to say, Peter. Okay. Um, he told him before the Romans got him, um, if I'm correct, Okay. that if someone doesn't have a sword to sell this, to sell their cloak to get a sword, and I talked to my wife about this, and we yeah. searched the Scripture, and we couldn't really find a context, like what Jesus was referring to, um, as in like self-defense, just having a sword on hand, or uh, like what, what was the reason for it? Well, that's a great question. Is they're going out, uh, we're, they're toward the end of, <clears throat> they're toward the end of the ministry, and as he sends them out a second time, he instructs them to get a sword. Uh, to, I believe, through the entirety of the scriptures, the purpose of the sword was indeed personal protection. And the reason I say that is because Peter takes out a sword at the end of Matthew's gospel and uses it affirmatively, and he is rebuked. Jesus told him very directly, put your sword in your place, because everyone that takes the sword will perish by the sword. And that's back at the end of Matthew. And so I do believe that there was there is a sense of self-protection, um, self, what we would call self-defense as they go out. Um, but the good news is, of all that's des- described and all that's recorded for us in Scripture, there's no mention of disciples ever having to use it. Excellent. I did have two more parts. Okay, go ahead. Time if I release another one? Yeah, go to the next one. Um, so... It- and self, I know it's not okay to take your own life, right? Suicide, you won't end up in heaven. Um, when is it okay to take a life, as in self-defense of yourself, self-defense of someone else? Um, yeah, basically that's, that's the question. Like, when is it okay to... Yeah, it's not okay, but when is it okay, basically? When is it okay for what? To take a life. Well, that's a, yeah, that's a challenging question, you know, because God values life, and uh, you can think of a couple of different scenarios where, um, biblically, we have examples of lives being taken. One of them is militarily, in the protection of the innocent, um, in protection of those that are unable to defend themselves, uh, in the, the fight of protection in war. Uh, and being able to stand for war. But even then, that becomes a super personal challenge for a person uh, of whether they can uh, participate in a position in a war uh, that would take another life. Um, but the, I, th- I think that the, the essence of taking, taking a life, when is it okay to take a life? You know, it's never okay to murder, right? Amen. So we know taking a life in murder um, is not okay. Uh, so then you're looking at um, when is when is it possible when is it necessary I think is another thing to consider when is it when when can't when is it necessary um, and of course you have self-defense you have the protection of uh, the weak and the poor but the goal would be to protect not to take the life uh, and so you know that intentional taking of life I think you get crossing a line but I think it's a yeah. it's a super it's super challenging because ultimately, we, you you never want to take a life. You know, ultimately, Jesus gave his life. 
he didn't take a life. And so in these ethical decisions, we have to be super prayerful and careful in honoring the Lord, uh, and if at all possible, never, ever, ever having to take a life. Amen. I agree. I just, in these precarious times that we're in, it's uh, something that's been weighing on my mind recently. I, I am a avid, uh, you know, Second Amendment person of the Constitution. Um, never had to threaten anybody with it. Thank goodness. Thank God. Um, just something that's been on my mind. And, you know, again, in these precarious times, you never know what's really coming around the corner. So well, I, I know, you know, the, the, the difficulty about taking a life is that it's un, it's unreversible, right? It's irreversible. And I think that it, it would have to be an absolute last resort of of either um, of either some kind of protection of other human life. I mean, and even then, uh, you put yourself in a position of of being at the mercy of whatever legal system you're under, um, and being willing to take the consequence of of taking another life. And and I think even in light of our own country, because we have diff- we have provisions in our own country that other countries don't have, we need mm-hmm. to, as we value the beautiful um, the beautiful gift of the Constitution that's been given to us, we have to go higher than the Constitution because the Bible precedes the Constitution, uh, and we need to take the mindset of the Lord. And I, I think the greatest example was Jesus. He laid his life down for others. Um, so thanks for calling. We got to go. You hear the music. Uh, great question. Man, that's a that's a good one uh, coming to us from Florida. So God bless you guys. We're going to be service tonight, 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Um, su- um, you know, super important that you study the Word of God, that you're together with other believers. God bless you guys. We'll be back tomorrow. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.